Well, that was pretty close. Hello, everybody. What a great music that is. You know, when you hear that, it's time for another episode of the Rec Poker Podcast. It's the forums edition today, which means that I'm your host, Jim Reed. I'd like to thank the Running Aces Racetrack Casino and Hotel, Learn Pro Poker, Website Amp, and the small, small business community for making this podcast possible. Um, Every week, the panel comes to join me to talk about poker. Every week, we take a forum post from the rec.poker forums, and we talk about it every week. We're trying to steal each other's blinds in the rec poker nightly home game on Poker Stars. And uh, tonight, we are going to talk about donking. But first, I'd like to introduce uh, Chris Jones, who will tell us a little bit about himself. I'm Chris Jones. I'm 5x5 on Poker Stars and Twitter. Oh, he's John Somsky, and he is muted from some other channel somehow. But he's M <laughs> Poker Geek MN everywhere. Is That's that right, exactly John? what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Rabman Fifty everywhere. And we're going to be uh, joined by a special guest. But first, I just want to say that we are starting a new uh, program here at Rec Poker, the Rec Room. I don't know about you. When I was growing up, we had this room in the basement with wood paneling and shag carpeting. It's where the kids used to go to have fun. And that's what we're doing now in the Rec Room. If you're a premium member, you can join one of our Wrecking Crew members uh, to just chat poker, have fun. And whether it's going over a hand or talking about a subject, a specific topic about poker, you can talk to Chris Jones, John Somsky, Rob Washam, myself, Steve Fredlin, Taylor Moss, Woody Adams. I feel like I'm missing one in there, but it's a good crew. Uh, Email me, jim at rec.poker, and tell me which wrecking crew member you'd like to talk to and what you'd like to talk to them about. We'll get it together, and hopefully you'll be hearing a version of that Rec Room episode coming out sometime soon. But tonight, we are joined by Kim Petvet, one of uh, the new, well, since the summer, I guess, anyway, members at Rec.Poker, who has been tearing it up in the home games and making herself known in all our video webinars, making a name for herself. Kim, welcome to the show. Thanks. Kim Kilroy, yeah, Perky 56 on our home game. Petvet pretty much everywhere else, and uh, self-described poker at it. And the more I uh, learn, the more I realize I don't know. Mm-hmm. Never, truer words have never been said. We love that. We've got, we've got a, a Socratic learner with us, which is our favorite way to do things. So today, uh, we asked Kim to lend a, an ear and uh, to talk to us about donking. So there is a post here that actually Kim posted herself. It's called Facing Donk Leads as the Preflop Raiser. And we've kind of talked a bit about donking before as part of a certain player's strategy where they were just extremely aggressive with extremely wide ranges and small sizes almost on every street. I think today we're talking more about sort of isolated donks and uh, donks from players that um, where it's not part of their overall uh, plan, or at least it doesn't seem to be. So Kim, what, what is it about donking or, or these examples in particular that uh, made you want to bring it in? How would you like to start the conversation? Well, um, Donkey's, you know, always been out there, but until I started playing these home games, I didn't come into contact with it quite as often. But I've noticed it's something that's used quite often in this, uh, in in the home games. Uh, I've been playing since the end of August, and over about a hundred games, I found about a hundred instances since then where I've been donk led into as the as the preflop aggressor. 
So I wanted to look at all of those hands to see if there was some sort of, um, you know, a rhythm to what people were doing that made sense. So I saw that there was usually either, I looked at a few scenarios, one with uh, a one big blind, donk lead, one with a pot size or close to pot size, large, and one sort of with a middle, like half pot, one third to 60% pot size. And they all sort of, I didn't obviously see all of them to the river, but I did notice a trend among them. And are you looking at these now in Hold'em Manager or Poker Tracker 4 or some kind of, um, or I mean, is that how you're, how you're reviewing these? By I review them in Hold'em Manager 3, yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So I did review them all. Lovely. So, so which one would you like to talk about? Yeah. So why don't we start with this first one here? So um, I'll just lead us in. So uh, blinds are 300-600. It's eight-handed. And the hero's quite deep with 93 big blinds. Under the gun has ace of clubs, queen of spades, and opens to two big blinds. It folds around to the big blind, who has 23, who calls. So the pot's 5.5. The flop comes eight of clubs, nine of diamonds, four of clubs. And again, the uh, hero has ace of clubs, queen of spades. Big blind leads for one big blind puts that one min bet out there into a pot of 5.5. So what, okay. what does that make you think about? Well, first of all, I just want to talk about, I was the big stack at the table. And the average stack at this table was probably only about 20 to 25 big blinds. And both the small blind and big blind were fairly short. Um, so that's why I only raised to two big blinds rather than mm. what I might use normally from a 90 big blind stack. So yeah. I was going for effective stacks. And I think that's something that a lot of players don't pay enough attention to, which is really more about how, what, what's, what's the average stack or what are the stacks of the people that are actually going to be involved in the hand. That's one you should be uh, picking your open rate sizing by. So great call. So I did, this was sort of a hand I played early on in these home games and I hadn't really faced this one big blind Don clean before very much. So I really wasn't sure what to do. So when I don't know what to do, and I think a one big blind lead doesn't mean much, I raised. So <laughs> I raised it to three big blinds, which I don't think is probably enough because mm. the pot was 5.5 big mm. blinds. But I did raise it to three big blinds, and the big blind called and had 18 big blinds behind. So the pot's now 11 and a half big blinds, and the turn is the six of spades. Mm. And the big blind leads for one big blind. <laughs> so at this point, I always think they've got like one low pair or something right. like this. I don't know why, but that's what I always think when I see this. What about you, Chris, or other guys with your... Well, I was just going to say, I, I, it, a, I think I know probably who this player is at this point, but uh, that was just what I was going to say. Because <laughs> I think there's a player that likes that, uh, that mint that lead into you donk lead but if they do it two on two streets i think there's really only one player i'm thinking of that does this but there's a few of them out there you i have a few of them really okay <laughs> but, but at any at any rate i just was like very perplexed and going what the <laughs> like and i just shove because i don't really don't know what else to do here 
it's really, we can talk about ranges and all of that. And for my particular hand, it's not hitting me at all. But I just feel that this one big blind, one big blind is screams so much weakness. And I get a snap hole. So, you know, if they want to do that and they have the goods, they're going to get doubled up. I was going to say, I, I'm making a note right now. Uh, next time I see you in the home game, start leading in with that one big blind, one big blind when I've got top set or something. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I do that now, but at that time, that was when I was first playing these games and I really didn't understand this lead. Mm. And I realized that there's more than one person that does it. There's quite a few players that utilize this one big blind lead. And I've started doing it a couple of places myself. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, go ahead. It's really maddening. Like I, I find it much, you know, when we're talking about donk leading, when somebody, if they, you know, when they lead out for, you know, anything between the half pot to full pot or whatever, like, I feel like I know what to do with that. I feel like I, I we'll probably talk about, I, I think your next hand sort of talks about a bigger sort of donk lead, but when they do this little dinky donk bet, it just, just throws you back on your heels. Like what is going on here? It's yeah, it's really like it's I, I it's a really annoying bet. Like it I, really is. I, I think what I normally would do is treat it as a check. Mm -hmm. And I would normally do whatever I was going to do. Uh anyway. Whether it was C bet, I'll just add a big blind or two to it. And if it was check, I'll just still check. Or or I'll just call. Just I'll call, call, right, call the right. one. So I'll do I'll treat it as a check, but do whatever I was going to do. Yeah, I, I think that makes the most sense. That's what I tend to do as well. Treat them like a check, although do adjust the pot size to include that bet in there as well. Right. And that, and that has been a theme when we do talk about donking and when we talk about very small bets in particular. This concept of sort of like treating it like a check, I think, is, uh, is one of those good general rules that we love. <laughs> <laughs> we love little general rules. Um, so, so does so do, does that mean that you are just weighting that player's hand towards a weak holding, like one hundred percent of the time there? And I and I when I went through all of these, I found that for the most part, the one they find, and a mm. couple of instances it was top pair weak kicker, but most of the time it was weak. Hmm. And was it like a made hand weak, but like just like one low pair or I guess you, you, well, you don't have to draw that. I don't, kind of specificity. I don't, I don't always know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good point. And, and even when they, and this is even only when they go to showdown that you get to see um, sometimes from the action, you can tell if they fold to a small bet on a future street, they couldn't have had that much on there anyway. But yeah. um, so, so for the eight, nine, four board with your ACE queen, what, if it had been checked to you, what would have your action been? Would have you? I would have probably bet. Yes, I would probably bet uh, about thirty-five percent pot on that. I have a queen of clubs for a backdoor straight draw, a backdoor flush draw, and two overs with my particular hand, and I still have all the over cards, all the sets, and um, uh, like all the over pairs and all the sets there. I can have ten jack even as the big stack on the table, even though it's an under the gun raised. Mm -hmm. So I would just normally bet like a 35% or so. What would have been interesting yeah. if they would have come back then and, and instead of donk leading into you done the uh, check raise, 
would have you continued on that? Um, it depends on how, how big a check raise. Mm. But if it was three and a half times my bet, I would probably not continue. Because that board... But I think I'm supposed to continue. Hmm. Well, the board is, is technically better for the big blinds range, right? Yes. Uh, in 894. So, yeah, I... That's the only reason why I can think that there would be the donk lead is because it's supposed to be better for them. Right. Um, but these one big blind donk leads, though, are not generally relevant to me. In, in my, in so from what I've seen. So they're not range related type actions where they're saying, well, my range is this better than your range. So I'm going to do this. Basically, it's somebody saying, well, I call a little piece of this. Let's see if they're for real. <laughs> I think one of the problems is that using that small sizing, they're not really putting anyone to a real decision, right? That's I correct. mean, that's, that's the real problem with it. I don't, I don't mind donking as a strategy in certain situations, but you have to do it to a sizing that actually gives the other person a decision. Um, and I don't think that it was accomplished here with the, with the, the men lead. Right. Um, and I mean, I sort of in the same vein, your raise on the flop there to three big blinds. I think that's the same kind of thing, right? Where they're calling almost 100% of the time there, yeah. do you think? I mean, they, they're much shorter than I am. They're oh, good point. Blinds, yep, good point. I, I think that I probably should have made it more of a pot size raise, like to five or five mm -hmm. and a half big blinds. So, yeah, then you're really then you're really learning. Then I put them to the test. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we had some yeah, we had some conversation about this before when you see a min bet coming out like that, you almost treat it like a check. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then look at what the pot size is at that moment in time and then make your decision based on that. Right. And, and I, I think, think to yeah, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, and and you know, if if we're going like you know, I know the question isn't really about implementing this strategy, but I think if we're going to consider, I, I'm not even saying this is probably a, a great, like I, I think there can be some situations where we do donk lead, but I think if we're going to implement a donk leading strategy where we come out with a min bet, we probably want to be doing that with a huge portion of our range and, and including all of our nutted hands just for the hope that and I think, you know, we do it when we have like a 23 big blind stack, when we're really just trying to get this person to sort of be like annoyed with us and put those five big blinds <laughs> in that they probably otherwise wouldn't. Right. I think that's, I guess that's gotta be the strategy is like, I'm going to annoy this person into making a big bet when I have the goods. I mean, yeah, I think you, if you, if you wanted to construct a range that was appropriate for a one big blind donk here, it would have to be very wide, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think to John's point earlier, you know, donking and check raising kind of go hand in hand. You know, every time you donk, you're just re removing the opportunity to check raise instead. And I think a lot of these hands that people are donking with would really play better as check yeah. raises. Yeah, um, agreed. Whether they're for value or not. Yeah, Kim? I'm waiting to see the donk one big blind and then raise <laughs> when it gets, yeah. when it gets <laughs> and, and I think that's part of it is that, I mean, you have to be able to do that if you're going right. to do this strategy, right? Yes. Like you have to be able to uh, get that five big blind from you and then shove on them or something. And then, then they're like, Oh, maybe, maybe you really do have something good here. Yeah. I don't think it happened even once. Yeah. That and, scenario. 
And I think that's something, that's something that our listeners and our members can really zero in on right now, which is that you should, be, you should have a plan for future action when you take your own action. So, and you should be anticipating the different ways your opponent could respond. So this feels like someone made a decision based on just this one action alone and said, you know, I'm just going to put one big blind out there and see what happens and did not have a plan for how to proceed. And I think donking in particular, if you don't have a plan for how to proceed, just don't donk. Donking is this, it just don't. It's, it's this weird part of the decision tree. We were sort of talking about this earlier where um, it's not, no one, you don't have to donk to be good at poker or to win at poker. It's just one of the tools available to you. Um, if you're not going to do it in a well-constructed and organized way, just check raise, check call, or check fold instead, um, unless there's something about this particular opponent that you want to take advantage of. Like, I don't donk very often. When I do, it's mostly because I have a tell on my opponent that they either fold a lot to donks or they stick around, and I, you know, choose my holdings accordingly. Chris, did you want to jump in? Well, I just, uh, you had three hand examples here, and the the third board that you presented is the closest kind that I actually like to donk on. Uh, all low, a, a all low paired board, I think is, is a, the best kind of, I, and the one thing about the board here is I'd like it to be rainbow. All low rainbow paired board is the ideal donking board for me because um, I can still have really strong hands in my check raising range but I can donk out with some some more stronger. Um, so I can donk out and like if it's a seven seven four board, I can donk with some sevens in my range. Um, and you know, it's in that situation where you, as the preflop raiser, probably don't have that seven, but are in a kind of a pickle now because I really can have it. Um, and I, so, like those are the kind of boards I like donking on. But for the most part. I don't employ it either. But, but if you put that in your donking range, what do you have in your check raising range? So I have all my full houses. I have uh, all my, uh, my, if it's a seven, seven, four board, I've got all my five sixes. I've got all my uh, seven, four suited. I've got my pocket fours. I've got my pocket seven. So I've got my really strong value and some of my um, sort of strong draws are in my, check raising range, but some of my weaker sevens are going to be in my donking range. And so is that, is that like a, is that mostly to do with the, with the range of your opponent as well, as opposed to, and, and their perception of your range as well, right? right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. In that particular hand, and I, we weren't going to talk about that hand, but it was, it was a raise on the button. So the button has all the sevens as well. Most of them, they they they'll they'll have you'll have more of them for sure. Mm, mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you'll have you'll have all the sevens, and they'll have a good deal of them. I would say that they often won't the the uh, big bind often won't have the pocket pairs, won't have won't have flop full houses, and won't have flop quads because I think versus a button, they're probably raising most of the time. I think a lot of players pocket fours. Pocket really? fours are calling most of the ones I see. I, I'm when they, when they only have twenty big blinds and the button raises, that's yeah, I'm, getting I'm, shipped I'm, every time in my book. Maybe, maybe. 
<laughs> villain hashtag villain dependent, right? Yeah. I mean, that's part of the things. That's that's one of the things that makes poker so great, right? Is uh, yeah. like a lot of it comes down to who's actually in that chair across from you. Yeah, and that's one of, one of the things that we keep talking about too. And we when we get into some of these strategy discussions, we're assuming everybody's playing perfectly right. perfect poker. But to Kim's point, if she was playing that twenty big blind stack, she would never do that. Mm. But there are players that would do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so now it's trying to understand where that opponent is on the tree, of the knowledge tree or the study tree, I guess mm-hmm. you'd say. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's just talk about that because I found in my studies that the that sort of half, well, 40 to 60% pot size bet or 35 to just over half pot size bet was often a weak pair or... Um, like it was weakish, but made hand mm-hmm. so for mm-hmm. most of the part. I found that, and we can talk about the queen of hearts, nine of hearts hand, because that's yeah. a more of a almost pot size bet. And that also meant something different as well. Yeah. Why don't you so, take us through, why don't you take us through the action on that, on that hand there? Okay. So the blinds are three to 300, 600. Um, the action folds to the hero in the hijack with 56 big blinds and uh, hero opens to two big blinds. Uh, small blind with 34, four big blinds calls and the big blind with 24 big blinds calls. So we're three holding way, queen of hearts, way, nine of hearts. Yep. Three way to the flop and we have queen of hearts, nine of hearts. The pot is 7.13 big blinds. The flop is queen of diamonds, eight of diamonds, six of clubs. Uh, and the small blind leads for almost a pot size bet of six big blinds. So a very large bet. Big blind folds, and now the action's on the hero. So this is where I left it. But just, hmm. And I wondered what people would do here. And then I'll tell you what I would do. Yeah. And I did. <laughs> is, and, and how did people feel about the difference between the stab with one big blind and this much bigger proportional bet does that just as a general rule does that tell people anything about it or is it any alarm bells going off or anything like that i i tend to read this as uh much more likely that this player has a made hand um may not even be that strong uh but definitely has a pair um probably uh a weak queen or um, you know, something, but doesn't, I don't think they, they, they've capped themselves too. Like, I think their, their strongest holdings right here are probably queen, jack, maybe, maybe king, queen. I'm blocking the queen, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, right. Um, but, I mean, I, maybe, I, but as a rule, I think that's their strongest holding that we can possibly yeah, put them on. I agree, and I, but I think there's also a lot of uh, flush draws in their hand, in their range. You know, some of those ace, baby, X of diamonds. Okay. All right. Well, I raised because mm-hmm. that's what I do when I'm jumped into. Yeah, yeah. I'm writing it down. Um, and I think my raise was too small. I raised to 14 big lines. They led for six. I raised to 14. But they only had 34 big lines. Right. Hand, so right. I thought this was still putting them to a decision. I think it is. Uh, and uh, small blind calls. And That's them, weird. Leaves themselves with 18 big blinds, and there's 35 big blinds in the pot. 
So do you think this is the kind of player who does that with the absolute nuts because they're waiting for you to hang yourself and they don't want you to fold if they raise? Or do we think this is the kind of player that does it because they want to see if they're going to get that diamond <laughs> and then yeah. decide, you know? I, I, th- I, I think that they must have known I was committed to calling them when I raised to 14. So right. if, to me, if they had the nuts, they should have shoved right then and there. If they had a nutted hand, like a set or, you know, like a straight draw, flush draw kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just called. The turn is the ten of hearts, and which brings me in as a, with a gut shot, straight draw uh, for my particular hand. Uh, small blind shoves, and I pretty much that call because I'm getting such good odds on that. Uh, rivers a brick, six of spades, and the small blind loses with ace of diamonds, nine of diamonds. Hey, good call, Rob. You, you had that pegged the whole way. Yep. And one of the things when I was looking at these was those middle to large size bets are often flush draws. Interesting. When mm-hmm. they got shown down. Often. Interesting. And I so didn't did. obviously see all of them, but a lot of them that I saw, those bigger bets were flush draws. Now I, I, I got really interesting. Donk bets. Yeah, Remember yeah. Those bigger donk bets. Yeah. And because some I, of the more middle ones that I got shown down were like a top pair weak kicker kind of thing. Like a, they, they had a good, a good main hand. And I, I, I kind of get that, not uh, leaving donking out of it a little. Like I, I don't mind bigger bets with hands that have low showdown but high equity and you want to get, you know, get as much fold equity as you can out of it because you're hoping to just scoop it right there. But if they do call, at least you've got this, you know, this diamond coming like it always does. Uh, I don't know how that like stack sizes really come into it for me at that point when it comes to when it comes to sizing. And I'd I'd probably be more inclined just to ship that maybe. I don't know. I, I think yeah see 34 big blinds to start the hand is an awkward size. Yeah. And when they make it so big on the flop, they're kind of committed. So 100%. when you're gonna make it that big, why not just ship your mm-hmm. stack in? Right? I mean, just try and take the pot down there. Right. You know, I like it also. If you stay with game flow instead of donking, I think you're in better shape. Mm-hmm. You know, you could do something like a check raise, um, which would look stronger to me than the initial donk. Yes. Yep. I'd much rather be, yeah, I'd much rather be check raise. And I guess that's one thing I wanted to think about here is donking is a great example of how you can't just look at their donking range. I think you should look at a player's entire range and then extrapolate what you can from that. Like if, if you're playing against someone who you know check raises a lot, that tells you something about their donking range. If, if they don't check raise at all, that should also tell you something about their donking range. Right. Um, so, and, and if you get a lot of hands on people, like, uh, you know, in, in my Poker Tracker 4 database, hardly any players are donking at higher than like 7%. So whether it's, just the weakest 7% or they only donk the nuts. Like it's just, they, they're not doing it in a balanced fashion. So a lot of it comes down to like, what are the assumptions that this player is making that's leading them to make this donk? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what could, John, yeah. You want to jump in there? Well, I was just going to think, I think from a psychological point of view, you're just trying to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of like, 
you're in a boxing match, so you throw a little jab that's not going to do anything but keep the other person away from you. And that's what this is, too. I think it's a, a defensive move. So if you want to use it well, you have to realize that I think Kim was right. It does kind of telegraph weakness. Mm-hmm. So you need to incorporate some of those times where it would also be strength. The problem is, is it's not used very often, so it confuses people, which means it makes it very difficult to use that in a manner where it, when you are strong to get maximum value. Yep. Yeah, it's hard to be balanced with a donking range. And, and the fact is, with, with your bluffs, you're going to get more fold equity out of a check raise, plus you get more money in the pot already. And for your, your value hands, you're also going to get a, a bigger pot. And I just, I just feel like if I had to choose between only being able to donk and only being able to check raise, I would never donk again, as much fun as I like saying it. Right. Right. So when you let, let me go back to sort of the your response to this hand. If you if small blind after you raise if small blind shoves, what's your plan? I think I'm I'm committed to the hand there. Okay. Like once I with their stack, if they have a much bigger stack, I'd have to think about folding because I just have a weak queen and a you know backdoor straight draw kind of thing. Right. Right. Okay. Yep. But I have sort of a two-way backdoor straight draw. You got the right. double gutter, yeah. And the, yeah, that's right. <laughs> the, old, the old double gutter. <laughs> the, the six works for me. <laughs> so I guess to, if we could sum it up, we'd say that donking tends to cap people's ranges. It tends to be uh, a middle strength holding. Um, bigger bet sizes, in, in this group anyway, tend to correlate to more drawing hands. And uh, most of the hands that we're seeing people donk with are not hands that can call a shove, which is part of it. They're trying to, it's almost like a block bet. A blocker bet. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking about that. Yeah. Which is weird. I mean, the flop is kind of a weird time for a blocker bet in the traditional sense. Mm -hmm. You don't really get to control the pot. You don't really get to, choose how much goes into it at the end um, and the hand hasn't played out enough to know the final strength of your hand but I think that is how people are using it I think that's what they're trying to do I think Rob just had some bad news in the home game <laughs> I had ace king and I folded the turn and the flop, the river was a king and the other two players both had ace queen with a high board so I was like ah no, Rob, it was a good fold. Yeah. yeah, right. There you go. Yeah, that's it, Kim. Give me results. Give me results oriented. Uh, all right. Well, any other any other points we want to make on, on donking generally? Are there spots we're going to look to donk? Are there ways we're going to take advantage of other people donking? Is it just, for me, it's just so, it's so player dependent. I kind of have a couple approaches that I take depending on who it is. And um, I have a few more hands I'd like to go through if we do our study groups. Oh yeah, great. That's lovely. And actually, I'll just I'll just say right now, since we're I won't turn down a segue like that. Um, Chris Jones is running the Focus, uh, a monthly uh, study group where we all get together and focus on. Right now, we're looking at pre-flop ranges, but that'll change over time. And uh, I'm setting up a couple, maybe once a week or once every two weeks, where we can get together and talk about some of that stuff a little more regularly as well. So. Um, keep an eye out in the rec poker forums, join the group, the focus, 
and uh, see if you want to get together on maybe a Thursday or a Saturday to uh, chat more chat more poker because we do love that here. Okay, well, um, I guess with that all being said, donk or don't donk, but have yourself a plan. And uh, I plan on coming back here again next week to talk to all these wonderful folks. Thanks to Running Aces, Hotel Racetrack and Casino, Learn Pro Poker, Website Amp, and the small, small business community. See, Steve, it's not that hard. <laughs>